story number one, The Impossible, part five, written by three ducks in a man suit. Broodmother Zanya, second and third broodmothers chosen to lead the assault on Prometheus, felt glee ripple through their systems as they watched the human ships torn to shreds at the might of the Hive fleet. There would be no need for adapting offspring created specifically to destroy humanity, no need to close study and tactics. She knew that some of her sisters would harbor sadness, regret even in the moment of victory, but as one of the oldest broodmothers, Zanya had long accepted the inevitable. The Grand Queen was the ultimate ruler of their race, and she demanded conquest. Why shouldn't she seek joy in fulfilling the purpose? It would be a short war. The human ships and hulls were made of some unknown material, harder than anything the brood had on record. Each required a concentrated effort to breach, but they were vastly outnumbered, and their behavior. The 800 human ships had moved and engaged the brood armada the moment that they had warped in. Then they proceeded to take careful shots with guided projectile weapons at the brood ships, clearly aiming for the engines and weapon systems. They were trying not to destroy. Zanya scoffed. Naive humans. How can they have a war fleet and yet be so soft? They were wasting the already limited fleet on suicide runs in the least efficient way possible, in order to avoid harming their enemies. Precise shots on moving targets were far more intensive than a simple barrage on a hull melting plasma. Coordinated focus between human ships had successfully disabled several brood ships, but it was costing two destroyed human ships for every one disabled brood vessel, and when they were outnumbered more than twelve to one... It was a foregone conclusion. After the skirmish, a fraction of the brood fleet was disabled, not a single scullion casualty. They would be able to recover the lost ships, repair the damage, and have the crew back in fighting shape in no time. Meanwhile, the human fleet was obliterated. Despite the wholehearted acceptance of the fact, Zanya couldn't help but feel a pang of loss. If each of the human ships had 100 crew, that was 80,000 sentient creatures that they had just massacred. It didn't help that she could feel the familiar wave of despair flowing from Taurus and the tired resignation from the brood mother Naya. She forced the sentiment from her heart and pushed forward. The station was next. Then they would scavenge the data that would lead them to the human homeworld. What? 800 ships were drifting towards them from the Prometheus, human ships exactly like the ones they had just destroyed. Sheer deja vu, Zanya briefly scanned the wreckage of the fleet the brood had just obliterated. It was all still there. These ships were just reinforcements. Taurus's report did mention the humans had some space-warping technology. Were these ships hiding in some kind of dimensional pocket? a hidden emergency reserve of fighting power. Perhaps the humans could present a threat after all. Those thoughts were steadily banished as the new fleet did exactly the same as the last, taking careful, disabling shots and brood ships that expanse of massive losses on the sustained barrage from the fleet that overcame the heavy hull plating and turned each human ship into melted metal. Another easy victory. Then, eight hundred more arrived. 
they were still winning, they would hold the ultimate advantage as long as humanity continued their self-sacrificial ploy to disable the brood ships without causing casualties. But brood mother Naya couldn't help but feel uneasy. The number of human casualties was staggering now, yet the ships kept coming. But from where? She directed her long-range sensors at a point above Prometheus, sensing not only the visible ultraviolet rays reflecting from the slim gaps and radiance that escaped the human sun sphere, but all across the spectrum of light. Then she sought a point of glowing light in the space just above the station. From it, it emerged metal. It was a metal in shape, a hull emerging in space, the edges rough. The human machines swarmed over it, doing... Uh, Something. Hundreds. No. Thousands of them. Then, in less than a single minute, a new ship was... just... there. The engines ignited and it fell into formation with its sisters, preparing to move into the battlefield. What was this? What was she seeing? Where were these ships coming from? And how were they doing this? The sight was so bizarre, so alien, that Naya almost missed something equally significant that she would have been aware of immediately. There was a single brood scout ship landed on the station itself. Its sensors and crew were not responding to any standard channels. That must be the Zyadus. The ship had been gutted, and it was in two distinct pieces and bits were missing. Most critically were the warp drive. Brood mother Naya had no earth deck frown, but... It would have been. She submitted a report to the Grand Queen. If she could not figure out this conundrum, then no one could. Station Prometheus Alpha, in orbit around the material world Prometheus, observing the Sagan Dyson Sphere around Juliana 6. Everyone was here in the control room at the heart of Prometheus Alpha. Commander Church and his staff, Dr. Reyes, the Premier and the Senior Ministers, watching as human ships were destroyed by the hundreds. It was going perfectly. The rate at which they were making ships was slow for now, cautious. Project Genesis was still very much in its infancy, and necessity had forced them to go from a barely working and very late-stage project with very little time. The equivalent of trying to send a man into space a few weeks after the Wright brothers achieved their first flight. Humanity had known since Einstein's time that matter and energy were two sides of the same coin. The nuclear bomb was a very real evidence of that. The energy was very small amount of matter producing a titanic quantity of power. Simulations had proved the opposite was achievable in theory, something the boys in the lab called reverse nuke, a tongue firmly in cheek, but the cost was prohibitive. The amount of energy in a single kilogram of matter was sufficient to produce 50 megaton explosion. Generating even a few grams of matter required the kind of power that an entire human race could survive on for centuries. The entire concept was a wild theory. Ray physics, something a professor in a university might explain to his students as curiosity of science. Until Sagan had been completed. The power drawn from the Dyson Sphere made it energy non-issue. They had as much as they could ever want or more. There was room enough to experiment. In orbit above Prometheus, Dr. Reyes had witnessed the first instance of matter being created from nothing but energy. Something from nothing. Genesis. The preloaded ship design using a carbon lattice for its hull and the previously only existed in theory and was suggested to be impossible to manufacture traditionally, 
was loaded into the station computers. Then hundreds of years of additive engineering experiments let humanity make it happen. A drone ship made from nothing. The process was far from perfect. Every ship required a small army of drones reshaping parts of the hull. Pieces of its internal systems had to be stitched together the old-fashioned way, far too intricate for the match creation process. But they had more than enough drones. It was working. Now they had forced exactly what they wanted to happen to happen. A war of attrition, because at the moment humanity could not possibly lose one. If it took two human ships to harmlessly disable a single brood warship, then humanity could and would spawn ten for every enemy ship in the field. Commander Church couldn't keep a smile of relief off his face as he watched everything go down. There was so much that he could have gone wrong. He tapped one of his eggheads on the shoulder as it worked. Okay, let's pick up the pace a little. The egghead met Church's grin with one of his own. Yes, sir. Somehow, impossibly without warning or reason, the brood fleet was outnumbered. Brood mother Zanya could feel a surge of panic that reflected her sisters like an echo chamber of discord before the Grand Queen stomped it out. Space was so littered with the corpses of destroyed human ships that the wreckage was making navigation difficult. A full half of the brood fleet had been disabled and now hung in space helpless. A retreat at this point would mean leaving a staggering quantity of resources lost in space for the humans to claim. And they had little choice. Almost 100,000 human ships swarmed the brood now, ten times the size of the original armada. Moving with mechanical synchronization, powering through waves of seething plasma to calmly plink away at the brood ship's weapon systems and engines. This was impossible. No tactics were sufficient against this kind of overwhelming numerical difference. Zanya felt a chilling sensation of being on the wrong side of a swarm for the first time in her very, very long life. The order came through the Grand Queen for the brood mothers to retreat. Drones were replaceable as long as the broodmothers lived. More could be produced, even the 150,000-odd crew members of the 10,000-strong brood armada attacking. They had expected some kind of superweapon attack, a giant solar phenomenon turned against them, a laser with the power of a star that obliterated ships, perhaps. Not this enormous wave of suicidal warships. The broodmothers gave the command to the drone fleets to flee if possible, then turned themselves around and activated the warp drives. The Grand Queen began to draw up new plans. Station Prometheus Alpha, in orbit around the material world Prometheus, observing the Sagan Dyson Sphere around Juliana 6. Applause erupted in the control room, total victory with zero casualties on either side. They hoped. If the warships were anything like Zyadis, then the disabling of the guns and weapons from the Scalia fleets should have not killed any living creatures. Every shot had been made with careful computerized precision. The AI, under a directive of not to fire a shot unless conditions were absolutely flawless. Alright, alright, give me a status on the warp engine transfer. Church spoke above the chorus of cheering. He's hooking up the last components, Commander. Techs say that they'll be ready for the test run in 20 minutes. Church smiled, adding numbers in his head, even as the cheering died down in the control room to be replaced with excited conversation. How long did Captain say one of those warships could sustain a crew for when they're dead in the water? 
About five months, sir. Good. None of over the 5,000 ships now floating in space would kill any of the crew before the war was over. Keep 6,000 drones around the disabled fleet, just in case. Let's finish up this little war, shall we? End of story.